Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's crack a beer and get the ball rolling, Mini. Just here for the beer. Well, um, if you guys couldn't have already taken an educated guess, we are a mere five days away from the Halloween of 2022 so once again we went with a halloween related beer and my goodness um i saw this can and i we had to do it we had to do it so this is our second time actually doing this brewery uh it's warrior brewing company out of gradle duluth minnesota and it is their valkyrie pumpkin ale and it's not bad it's not bad it's it's not, um, excuse me, it's not your like typical um, kind of October festy kind of a place. It's uh, kind of a place, kind of a beer. It's a lighter beer um, that is kind of pumpkin, not spiced, but flavored rather. <laughs> and um, I got to say, it's not bad. 5.5 uh, APB in a 16 ounce can. So Man, um, I like it. I like it. It's it's kind of weird. You guys are probably going to think this is weird coming from me. But as much as I like my light beers, I, I was kind of hoping it was going to be a little darker. I mean, we've talked in the past, like, I tend to go for lighter beers, yes. Um, but if I'm drinking something seasonal like September, October... I'm, tis the season, baby, like, I'm trying to drink something in the fall, so this is probably the one time of the year that, um, I may go off the beacon trail of the, um, light beers, unless I'm, you know, watching football or something like that, but I, I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed, I thought it was gonna be a little heavier, a little stouty, or darker, and, um, Again, it's a good beer, but it's not what I would think for, you know, a pumpkin or a uh, uh, an October kind of beer here. So, but the taste of it isn't bad. It's not. Again, it's not one of those overwhelming you with a ton of pumpkin or the works or anything like that. It's a simple beer. Um simple kind of light ish beer with um with some pumpkin in it so it's not it's not a bad beer but it's a beer that i was i thought was going to taste different and i gotta say as much as i like my light beers i'm a little disappointed in this beer uh if i'm being completely honest so um yes like i said warrior brewery company um up in good old duluth right off of superior street excuse me uh literally for those that know the area, literally two blocks away from both the Duluth Grill and the T-Bonds Bar and Grill, right up in that uh, area, um, for those that are interested. And um, yeah, so like I said, I know we've done this place before. Um, we obviously haven't done this one. I'm sure they only put it out in October. Um but yeah, so before we get to rating it, um, once again, for those that maybe don't remember or didn't listen to the episode where we featured Warrior Brewing Company, 
They are a veteran-owned brewery that was established back in 2021, trying to help support the veterans in the local community. So a special shout-out for you guys uh, for doing what you're doing. Um, It even uh, says on their uh, cans that they are um, veteran-owned, veteran-brewed, and they even um, have each um, can signed um, by who the art was by. Um, It was a U.S. Air Force Vet. So shout out to all of our vets um, that have uh, served for us and um, been able to give us the freedoms to do uh, what we're doing in this great country we call America. So yeah, definitely go check them out, warriorbrewingco.com. Um, pretty you know, self-explanatory uh, website. Uh, they got a merchandise tab, which has some really cool stuff on it. Definitely got to check that out. Uh, kind of gives you little layover of the beers that they have where they where you can buy it like a lot of places and um yeah you can also go ahead um and check them out on instagram excuse me i know they're on instagram and um twitter and then i think they yes they also have a facebook page as well and for those that are interested they're actually um open um monday through thursday 5 p.m to 8 a.m for um tap room uh friday to saturday noon to eight and then sundays they're actually closed for private parties only um so definitely go check them out but before we go um our rating um again it's i'm sure you guys are sick of me saying this but it's true it's it's a good beer but it's not what i was hoping for um Six seven, six seven. Um, nice solid base. I like the pumpkin, but again, I was hoping this is a beer, especially in October here coming up on, on a Halloween that you just hope was just a little darker or a little heavier. So, um, still would recommend it. Um, you know, I think there are people out there that would really like this. And um, yeah, if you've had it before, let me know what you think, and um, we'll go from there. For um, the Tommy Town this week. Before we get into, um, before we get into uh, last weekend and look forward to this next weekend, we actually have an award. So, back on Monday, it was announced that the men's hockey team's Ethan Gower garnered the um, CCHA Defenseman of the Week award. The Farmington, Minnesota native scored a goal in each game last weekend in a road series. Um, at the number 18 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Gower scored a goal with 0.4 seconds left in period two on Thursday in an eventual 6-2 loss. And then on Friday, he he scored the tying goal uh, in the second period in an eventual close 3-2 overtime loss to the Nittany Lions. Um, It's also worth noting that Gower is just the second Tommy defenseman early in this Division One era to score a goal in back-to-back uh, weekend um, games, which is also a pretty big deal saying as uh, this team only amounted four goals in this uh, last uh, series um, against the uh, the Nittany Lions. So um, congratulations to him and hope he can kind of keep this, keep this uh, momentum going and um, get them back in the win column uh, this weekend at uh, Ferris State. So, yeah, like we mentioned, the um, 
one of the things I getting ready for this podcast, I didn't really realize this Penn State team was this good. I didn't realize they were ranked. Um, but after I guess after the fact of looking at this two to six game on um, Thursday night makes a little more sense. Um, that second period is is honestly what um, is the difference maker. Um, you take that second period that you take that second period away, and this is a two one game in favor of uh, Penn State, um, which, I mean, you don't get ranked 18th in the nation just by accident. This is obviously a good team. And the fact that they were able to um, put this game behind them and play them to a close two or three game in overtime the very next night, I think personally speaks volumes um, on this team. Um, You know, it's only six games into the season, haven't even started a CCHA play yet. Um, But I think it's it's uh pretty uh pretty awesome. Um before we kind of look ahead to the Ferris uh state action this upcoming weekend, um excuse me, uh opening CCH play, I think it's worth noting that coming into this game six uh with six um games under their belt, uh the Tommies have scored ten goals and they've come from excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different players in fact uh, there are two players uh, leading the team with two goals, Ryan O'Neill, Lucas Wallen, and yes, you guessed it, Ethan Gower. And leading the way through the first five or uh, six games, rather, both Ryan O'Neill and Lucas Wallen are tied for five points, which um, I think is I think is pretty pretty big. I mean, in my opinion, I think you think back to this last season, um, excuse me, this last season. And, um, you know, to know that last season uh, there were only a handful of guys that amounted more than 10 points, I think this speaks volumes to the amount of points this team is uh, getting early on in the season. Um, You know, again, it speaks volumes to what Rico Blasi was able to do this offseason by getting um, some transfers as well as some good, you know, uh, young commits. And, you know, honestly, the... The sky's the limit with this team. Obviously, I think, you know, they're probably not going to have a great year this year, you know, another learning curve. But there are some people close to me that are telling me um, that are hockey, uh, 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 used to be college hockey players themselves, who honestly believe this St. Thomas hockey program, both men and women, are not far away from um, being at least relevant. Um, So, uh so yeah, so like I mentioned, this upcoming weekend, um, uh, the twenty eighth uh, and 29th, Friday and Saturday, the St. Thomas men's team will be on the road against Ferris State, who is two, three, and one at the moment. Uh, the Friday game will be at six p.m., while the Saturday game will be at five p.m. It's worth noting St. Thomas and Ferris State last year split the two twenty two series. Uh, UST scored 11 goals and allowed 10 over the four games, but Ferris State easily outshot this team um, in all those games. Uh, so, yeah, super excited to kind of see how this team is going to operate against uh, their tougher, uh, the teams in their, you know, obviously tougher division. Um, I think Ferris State, some of these teams, you know, you look at Minnesota State, um, Bemidji State, um you know, Lake Superior State, those are those are some tough teams. So, I mean, 
really you look at this team and you know everybody's tough but you just got to take the wins when you can get them thankfully uh six games into the season we've already got our first win which is pretty big um but i hope they can uh, get the job done here and um go on from there as for the women's hockey team excuse me this last weekend excuse me i'm sorry i apologize about that um, this last weekend, they actually came up short, uh, two really close games against a very good Minnesota state team. Um, Thursday night, they lost three to one, um, St. Thomas actually, um, jumped out to a quick one, nothing lead in the first period before St. or before a Mankato scored three unanswered goals to win three to one. And then on Friday night, um, they lost by a score of two to zero and both of the goals were scored, uh, late in the period. So once again, you know, we talk on this podcast, excuse me, we talk on this podcast a lot about not, you know, getting too high on moral victories and things of that nature. Um, but to be able to, for both of these teams, for being able to play good quality teams like this, this close, you know, again, I, I feel like a broken record because I probably already said it five times talking about the men's team. It speaks volumes. Um, you know, again, it's, you know, it's more, it's not so much about the moral victories and more about hanging your hat on, hey, this was a team, I mean, last year, um, I'm just going to pull it up because I, I, I knew it looking up earlier. I mean, last year, this team, um, Minnesota State, uh, they lost 3 nothing. Uh, one to four, one to three. Um, you know, I mean, so closer games, but still, the fact that you can play a team that that close um, just makes a world of difference. And again, you know, if you're a player on this team, I don't know. I I was really little when I played hockey, but being a an athlete like this, like I said, if nothing else, it helps you sleep better at night. That hey, if we're able to keep our if, if we're able to skate and play with these good of teams, like, what do we have to lose? Um, so, you know, unfortunately, you know, fell fell short, uh, got swept this last weekend. Um, but um, not terrible games. And they are actually um, getting ready for a second in a row home-and-home home series against the St. Cloud State Huskies. Uh, they will be playing Friday and Saturday as well. Friday's game will be at 6 p.m. in Mendota Heights, while Saturday's game will be 2 p.m. in St. Cloud. Both of those games can be seen on Big Ten um, Plus, and we wish them the best of luck and uh, hope they can get back in the win column as um, uh, as they start their second series in WCHA play. Um, next up... For the volleyball team, they were actually only in action twice this last week. Um, both of them up in North Dakota. Thursday night, they were up in Grand Forks against the Fighting Hawks. And then just this last Saturday, they were in Fargo to take on the North Dakota State Bison. And they were and they were only able to weigh, only able to come away with one, um, winning one set between the two. Um, but I gotta say this North Dakota team um it was hard hard fought um you know again no moral victories i get it but um playing these you know i know 
you know, I don't know. I think for me anyways, looking at a fan, it's it's got to feel good to be able to get there. I, I'm sure a lot of these girls, you know, it rings hard in their head and they kind of feel like, oh man, you know, it's going to be tough. They did come off a, um, a strong win against Western Illinois back on October 15th. Um, but really they've got to uh, put their head to the grindstone here. Um, try to get some more wins as they're really coming up on um, the final, what, one, two, three, like three and a half weeks here. Um, this next week, next week we will back on our Thursday schedule, by the way. Um, we've been busy the last two Thursdays, so that's why we're coming at you tonight on Wednesday. Uh, but between now and the next podcast, they'll be on tomorrow night um, in St. Paul for back-to-back games um, against Omaha on Thursday at 7 Saturday on the 29th at 11 a.m. before heading to South Dakota for a match at Brookings um, in Brookings against South Dakota State Jackrabbits on the night of the next podcast, November 3rd. So once again, um, this team very young, um, but they just you know just like anything, you got to take it one set at a time. Um, Lots of thing, lots of things to like about this team. You know they're competing, they're having hard fought sets, um, and you know they just honestly they just have to uh, string a couple of them together and hope that they can get together a couple more wins to to uh, put themselves in a position uh, to get stronger in twenty twenty three. So to uh, to wrap up Tommy Town for the week. Um, we will touch on the uh, Tommy football team. They actually erupted for 22 points in the first nine minutes of the second half to remain perfect in Pioneer Football League play against the winless Presbyterian team. They actually went into half down 17-14. to 14. It is worth noting. Um, but yeah, still undefeated in Pioneer Football League play, which is a uh, huge... I was kind of surprised. I didn't technically get any questions on the football team, um, but I had a lot of people reach out saying, "Hey, you know, go Tommy football team. This team, you know, is going to go to the playoffs." And you know, again, technically no questions, but yeah, you know, I mean, I I truly believe this team will go to the playoffs. Um, you know, they beat Presbyterian forty six to seventeen. San Diego, this upcoming game they have is definitely a game at home, um, and it's very much a game like Davidson. It's a it's it's a game last year that they should have and could have won. It was ultimately a game that was whoever finished the game with the football was ultimately going to win, and unfortunately the defense just couldn't come up with the stop, and San Diego was able to kick a last second field goal. Um, but if they get past San Diego, I have no reason to believe they'll beat Valpo, Stetson, and Butler. Now, I am not going to say they're going to be, you know, a Final Four contender for the FCS playoffs in their second year of Division One football, um, by any stretch of the terms. But I think if they go, if they finish four and zero, they'll probably they will for sure win. The Pioneer Football League and go on to the playoffs and at least you know and at least get a game maybe win a game I don't think they would win two games 
but it would put them on the national level. Uh, you know, you think about FCS football, you think about Sam Houston, you think about, uh, you know, the Jackrabbits, you think about North Dakota State, who produced Carson Wentz, guys like that. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily put St. Thomas right up in that category, but I think making the playoffs this year, you know, I mean, you look at, you look, you look at the freaking Gophers, and this 2022 season isn't even over, and they already announced that they're going to play, be playing in a home-and-home home series in, what is it, 2030 and 31 at and versus Alabama. So, no, this, like, it, if they win out, it's definitely going to put them on the map, and it's definitely going to make... Um, FCS teams take this team seriously and consider them in um, in non-conference games going forward because it's like I've said it's you know when they were in Division three they were playing the UW Eau Claire's the Oshkoshers they were playing good teams because I'm going to be honest in the three years I was at St. Thomas I saw too many 70 to nothing games 56 to 70 games where I'm leaving at halftime because it's not even a game. Now, nobody likes to see their team lose, but I remember many, many a Saturdays at, um, excuse me, at the hoagie shop talking to my buddies being like, you know what? I would so much rather stay for a four quarter game where we lose by, you know, three to 10 points to a really good team rather than leaving at halftime because you know there were games where we beat fucking St. John's or we're beating them 56 to nothing at halftime like that's just not a fun game to go to so you know thankfully getting into the D1 um realm last year honestly we got throttled by Northern Iowa this year Southern Utah was um, a bigger opponent than we anticipated them to be. Um, but after Southern Utah, things have been relatively easy for this team. Beat Michigan uh, Tech decisively this year instead of closely. Beat Lincoln, California decisively. Beat Marist by double-digit points. Davidson, double-digit points. Drake, double-digit points. And Presbyterian, double-digit points. So... Um, I saw someone tweet out this last weekend, you know, gosh, you know, I can't be long until St. Thomas out, uh, you know, out plays the Pioneer Football League. And I don't think they're wrong, but I think within the next two to three years, they're going to be faced with, you know, a really tough decision with, you know, are we going to stay in the Division Three of FCS with the Pioneer Football League? Or are we going to try taking on the South Dakota States, the North Dakota States? Uh, I don't know what division that's in, but, you know, again, in my opinion, you know, it's still new and you want to see them get their, you know, reputation in the uh, FCS, but you'd rather see them lose to the Jackrabbits or North Dakota State, a really good team by seven points, than beat Presbyterian's 46 to fucking 17, you know, excuse my language. So um, a lot of good things to uh, look forward to as far as his football team is concerned. Um, you know, I think, you know, for St. Thomas alumni, I think there's a lot of good things on the horizon. 
uh, especially for for this football team. I think Glenn Caruso is here for the long haul. Um, and you know, I think you know we only go up from here. I honestly do see us winning out. I see us beating San Diego this upcoming weekend on the 29th in St. Paul. We'll go to Valpaspario in Indiana November 5th. Uh, November 12th, we're going to host Stetson, and then we're going back to Indiana to take on Butler on the 19th. And then we'll have a uh, a playoff game. So it'll it'll be fun stuff for this team. But within the next, you know, like I said, I think I said two to three. Within the next three or four years, it'll be a trial of, hey, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay in the Pioneer Football League and continue to be the Davidson of the last two, three years? Or are we going to try getting into, I don't even know what conference it is, but, you know, the South Dakota State, the North Dakota State, and try to beat those teams? Because even if you don't beat them and you play them closely— that matters more than beating a you know Presbyterian forty six to seventeen or even beating a Davidson you know twenty seven to sixteen. So uh, this football team will just we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. But um, yeah, lots of lots of fun, lots of good things to look forward to as far as this football team is uh, is concerned. Um, it is a home game, so we will be able to watch it online at TommySports.com. So tune in for the game. Uh, and now we reach our first question uh, of the podcast. Don wanted me uh, wanted to ask me, Jack. You've talked a lot before about you being a betting kind of a person. World Series is upon us. Houston Astros versus the Philadelphia Phillies. Who are you betting on? And God, you know, I totally forgot that we were already down to the final two teams, Don. So thank you for uh, reminding me. <laughs> but. Um, you know, it's uh, it's tough because it's one of those series where at face value, I want to take the Phillies because the Houston Astros, to me, will always be synonymous with fucking cheating, if I'm being honest. Um, But that's neither here nor there. So, um, yeah, so looking f- like to answer your question, Don, it's. It's pretty close. I mean, you look at what these two teams did in the regular season. The Philadelphia Phillies were number two in batting average for the regular season with a two thirty seven overall. Houston Astros were number three at two twenty seven. Then you're like, well, you know, what about uh, pitching? Well, the um, or wait, sorry, I I'm looking at the wrong at wrong uh, things. So, um, you know, Houston Astros definitely have the edge with regards to um, team wins. They had 106. Um, They have 214 runs. Um, You know, they have a 2.9 ERA, which is only the second best ERA in all of baseball. And, you know, um, Don, as as much as I hate to admit it, I think, you know, in an effort of an- answering your question, I think I got, I have to put my money on the uh, Houston Astros as much as I do not like them. I think um, they're just a better team. I think Bryce Harper is a stud, and um, but 
At the same time, I really believe this Houston team just has a little more depth. I think both teams have talent. I think the Phillies are also on a very special run at the moment. And I can't shake the feeling that winning seven in a row on the Astros end means a cold streak is coming. Um, but then again, for much of the season, I said the uh, the Phillies are, you know, a good team, you know, one of the better teams we've seen in a while, and they could win the World, World Series, or they could also lose 12 in a row and miss the playoffs. Um, but just in in my opinion, I just, you know, after looking at all the facts, I think there's a greater likelihood of a cold streak falling on the Philly end. And as much as I hate to admit it, I think I'm going to go with Jose Altuve taking the MVP. He started the playoffs 0 for 25, um, and he's better than that. Uh, but I think a hot string of games is lurking right around the corner for him. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see the Houston Astro team win uh, two uh, two championships in uh, in five years. So yeah, that is my answer for you, Don. And, uh, and then on the flip side of things, for you soccer fans, we are finally down to the final four as far as um, the MLS uh, soccer playoffs are concerned. Um, on Sunday, we will see Austin FC go to the Bank of California Stadium to take on LAFC at 2 p.m. on ABC. And then... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and then uh, New York City will go to Philadelphia Union at 7 p.m. on FSN1. Um, you know, I got to say, as uh, you know, I, I personally have nothing against Philadelphia, but the fact that uh, Philadelphia is in the World Series, the fact that the Philadelphia Union are in one of the final four teams of the MLS League, the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are 6 and 0, oh, fuck Philadelphia. Uh, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope New York FC New York City FC wins that game, um, but yes, they are down to the final four um, teams. And then, if that um, as far as uh, as far as um, you know soccer is concerned, if that wasn't um, uh, enough, it was just released earlier today that the MLS is considering an expansion of their playoffs. Uh, it says the MLS is discussing to modify its playoff structure to have as many as 30 games with some kind of a World Cup-style format, a league source confirmed to ESPN. The source cautioned that nothing has been approved, but the playoff format will be a topic for discussion at the league's next, next Board of Governors meeting on November uh, excuse me, 15th, which is as close as, I mean, today's the 26th, so as early as, you know, within the next three weeks. Um, it is worth noting the MLS current playoff format involves seven qualifiers from each conference with a single elimination format that amounts to a total of 13 games. So having 30 game uh, playoff games would be, you know, a world difference. Um you know, one of the things that the source has confirmed is discussions on a new format come at the wake of a 10-year, uh, close to a $2.5 billion broadcast rights deal with Apple TV, uh, which was signed in June um, in the, you know, in the, uh, 
idea of expanding the league's playoffs inventory and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so it uh, it should nonetheless be exciting to kind of see what happens. So that is um, unfortunately, you know, other than that uh, update, there is no new um, Minnesota Loons news. So with that, we pleasantly move on to the excuse me, we move on to our ever, ever loving uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team. And I got to say, they're they're coming off of a good, fresh win. Um, I have to say, you know, the first five games have been, um, have been interesting to say the least. This team should very well be 5-0. and Unfortunately, they are not. Um, the second game of the season, this Jazz team, uh, they f- was good and was giving them all they could fight for. They forced it into overtime and ultimately lost in OT. And then, unfortunately, their fourth their fourth game of the season um, just came up short. You know, I was watching that game, and honestly, they came out even from the tip just with a lack of effort. Um, you know, so they got, you know, they're three and two at this point. Uh, they just came off of a win tonight, a dominating win tonight, uh, 134 to 122, which leads me uh, to my question um, from Tommy. And Tommy asked me, Jack, what is the ceiling that you would put on this Minnesota Timberwolves team? And, you know, as... You know, we talked about this earlier on in the podcast, just with kind of getting the Gobert, uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, making that trade, you know, the guys like Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns alluding to, you know, he is ultimately, they believe he's ultimately the missing piece uh, to them kind of making that next step. I really do see them making that next step this year. I'm... You know, Tommy, if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm hesitant to put them into the uh, title contender ceiling only because you can have, like, you can only have so many title contenders um, on any given season. I mean, you think about it, there's only two teams that can ultimately make it to the uh NBA Finals, and then there's only four teams that can ultimately make it down to the Final Four. Um, and truthfully, as long as Giannis is on the Milwaukee Bucks, the Mo- Milwaukee Bucks will always be a title contender. Um, Cleveland makes made some big moves. I'm kind of, I think they're on that bridge from t- between title contender and long playoff team. Um, But then the Boston Celtics, you look at this Boston Celtics team and they're bringing back virtually, you know, the the same exact team, just one year older, that was young last year, that made it to the NBA Finals. Um, You look at those two teams, you look at a Brooklyn Nets team that was uh, long without Kyrie Irving last year. Um, You look at this Philadelphia 76ers team that was long without... uh, you know, James Harden last year. So if I'm being completely honest and then shit, I mean, before I'm being completely honest with you guys and you, Tommy, but the Miami heat, like that team is bringing back almost the exact same team. And they were a missed three pointer away from making it to the NBA finals. So in my opinion, that's 
five teams just from the Eastern Conference that I believe are title contender teams. And then you go to the Western Conference Finals, or like the Western Conference. Like, as much as I hate to admit it, until the Golden State Warriors do not win the championship, they're the team to beat. So as far as I'm concerned, the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference are a title contender team. And then you look at, well, Jack, you know, who else is in that title contender? You look at the Phoenix Suns, who just came off of a 64-game season Do I think they're going to replicate that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I don't. They're still in that contention until they get rid of CP3, which I believe they will. Dallas is on the come up. up. That's three teams right there. And then you look at this this LA Clippers team that has a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George. And, uh, you know, truthfully, I just, you know, between those four teams... Honestly, the Lakers are 0 and 3 as of right now. They're, you know, currently in the game in a game against the Denver Nuggets. You know, it's it's hard to discord LeBron James led teams just because of his track record. But, you know, there's three or four teams right there that have legitimate um title contention this year. And then you look at this Memphis Grizzly team which again is bringing back a lot of the same team and they're only going to get better. They're only going to get older because they're a young team. Um the New Orleans Pelicans, I don't believe I think they're in that group with the Timberwolves, but honestly, if I'm being honest with you Tommy, the ceiling for this team in my opinion is a deep playoff run and I believe if this Minnesota Timberwolves team does this, which I believe they're capable of, if they make the Western Conference Finals for the 2023-2024 season, they will be a title contender team. Um, odds are they're going to have to face a team like the fucking Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the LA Clippers in the uh, Western Conference Finals which is going to be a tough goal for them. But I really do see them making it uh, that far. They're a team, I believe, that it's very rare. But you look at the move they made this last offseason, and they're a team that legitimately made a, within one season, they went from a team that was a playoff team to this team has deep playoff hope aspirations and probably will. Um, I mean, I look up and down this roster, I think non-biasly, and again, you know, we talk about, you know, Jack the sports fan versus Jack the Minnesota fan, Jack the sports fan, looking up and down this roster, the Timberwolves are on paper better than this Portland Trailblazers team. On paper, they're better than this Utah Jazz team. On paper, they're better than the New Orleans Pelicans. They're better than the San Antonio Spurs. They're better than the Denver Nuggets. Like they're better than a lot of these teams. It's just a matter of them going out there, proving it and winning enough games to garner a one, two, three, or four um, seed in the playoffs. And I believe if they get a top four seed, they will be in the Western conference finals. Barnon, Barnon. I think when you have a defensive catalyst, like um, when you have a defensive catalyst, like Rudy Gobert, Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I'm still kind of on the fence about, but 
just within these last, you know, these first five games, you know, freaking, I mean, you look at um, Anthony Edwards and this guy is averaging 23-point games. He just came off of a 34-point night where he looked unbelievable. Not only was he able to seemingly score at will, but he was able to facilitate the ball. He was getting rebounds. Like, this guy is going to be a monster. He's going to be an MVP contention possibly this year for sure next year and going forward. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to see this, see this team come to fruition. So again, to answer your time, to answer your question, Tommy, this team is a team that is 100% capable of maybe not being that title contender team, but being a team that makes a deep playoff run. So obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I would love nothing more than than to see this uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team making this big, uh, you know, 2022 offseason move to win the 2023 NBA championship. Um, but it's just it's way too early to tell. You know, this team's got to make the playoffs to begin with. They got to get a good seed. I firmly believe in, and then go from there. So. Um, yeah, that's uh that's what we got for you guys on the Timberwolves and then now for the Wild. So I know last week uh once again we're coming at you with a second Wednesday uh podcast just being kind of busy last Thursday being out of town and this Thursday uh having a work tomorrow night having a work uh Halloween party with the uh the beautiful beautiful wife. Um so, yeah, so with that, we have, uh, you know, talking about the Wild here, um, It's it's been kind of a weird start to the season with the Wild for the mini weekend. It's kind of been bra- broken up, you know, they're six games into the season. Uh, going into last podcast, they were, they had three games done. They were 0-3, giving up fucking 20 games, and 20 goals in three games, which was just unheard of. Fortunately for this team, you know, it started off 0-3-0, three games since last podcast, and in those three games, they are 2-0-1 with um, five uh, total points coming away from it, and, um, you know, honestly, again, you know, you talk about the NBA season, you talk about the wild, you know, the NHL season just being super long, 82 games, um, you know, and all that stuff, you know, not that it's bad, but that's just... That's just the world we live in, and um, you can't put too much stake into you know how you start because as cliche as it is, it doesn't matter how you start; it ends how you it it matters how you end. I mean, you know, last year I know this team you know lost three straight games in the um uh, in the first round to get bounced uh, by the St. Louis Blues, um, but last year we started off four and zero. Um, before we lost our first game and our first 10, we were 7-3-0. and But again, you know, being 7-3-0 and or even being fucking, you know, 28-10-3 didn't matter because, you know, and that, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I don't really mean that because honestly, like, obviously this team last year, 53-22-7, the NHL has got to look at how they do their NHL um, playoffs because, truthfully, the Wild and the St. Louis Blues were arguably the two hottest teams going into the 
playoffs, and they both unfortunately had to play each other in the first round, which I still don't think is true. But you know, that's beside the point. You know, obviously this Wild team has had has hit a little bit of a road bump, kind of starting off the season. You know, um, with where there are, but honestly, I I have to say, you know, the first three games were you know tough to watch. Um, you know, not only did they give up 20 goals, but they only amounted, you know, 12 goals in response. So it was almost like we were getting outscored, you know, two to one, which sucks. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I look at guy like Matt Zuccarello, <laughs> who um, had has 10 points right now through the season, um, two goals. Or sorry, four total goals, six, uh, six um, <clears throat> assists, and he he's our leading goal scorer, or he's our leading scorer right now, um, and he's our mini weekend player of the week. Um, he's got a power play goal, um, and it was kind of tough. It was kind of between him and Duhame. Duhame not only has within these last three games has a shorthanded goal and a game winning goal, um. But Matt Zuccarello is just, once again, being that kind of player with the Kirill Kaprizov. They just have some kind of crazy, crazy connection that um, you really can't put, um, you know, anything on it. It's just, it's there. You think, God, it's there because he's got 10 points within six games. Kirill's got eight points. Both Boldy and Addison have six Erickson X got five. Middleton got has four. Felino has three, along with Duhame and Spurgeon. So, I mean, you have to like what you're getting up and down. I think it's a little frustrating to see a guy like Marco Rossi with zero points. But at the same time, as much as I hate to admit it, I think that's a little more indicative of the opportunity he's been given. He's really been playing with, you know, these third and fourth liners. I think if Rossi got the opportunity to center the second line of um, Boldy and Steele or whoever you want on that second line with Boldy, I really think Marco Rossi and Boldy will kind of feed off of each other. I think Rossi is more of a um, goal scorer and Boldy is very much a goal scorer, but he's a playmaker. You know, he gets the, you know, he makes the right plays. He takes the shots when he has them and he passes it off when he doesn't have them. Um, so yeah, um, I had, we, we actually had a couple people reach out, um, both Jenny, um, Jane and Brian all essentially asked the same question in how much stake are you putting into this slow Minnesota wild run? And, you know, truthfully, I'm not going to lie to you three. I, I'm, I'm not putting too much into it. You know, right now they're in the midst of a amidst of a five-game winning streak, you know, and, um, you know, this is a team that has a lot of talent. I think as much as maybe people didn't want to admit there were some questions as far as goaltending was concerned coming into the season just with, you know, Flurry's a great goalie, but he's old. How is he going to come back this season? How is Gustafson going to do? Um, and we got that stud in, you know, the AHL who's supposed to be the next Marc-Andre Flurry. so Wellingstead, I think. Um, so I think there were a lot of questions with regards to that. And I think with the, you know, oh three and oh start, it kind of just brought that into fruition. But if I'm being honest with you three, I'm really, really, really not looking too much into it. 
Um, and I'll tell you why. The reason I'm not is because I look back to that 2019 um, St. Louis Blues team that won the 2019 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And the reason I bring this team up is because before the new year hit in this season, on January 31st of 2018, the St. Louis Blues, I'm not joking, literally had the worst record in all of the NHL, okay? They had the worst record, and I think, I can't remember who was in front of them, but I want to say there was like five or six points at the time between them and the second worst team in the league. This team went on a tear as soon as the second, uh, the start of the new year happened, they worked their asses off and they got the third seed in the Central Division. They took on the number two seed in the Central Division, Winnipeg Jets. Jets took care of them in six games. They beat the Dallas Stars, who took care of Nashville in six games, and they beat them in seven. Then they went on and played the second best team in the Pacific, San Jose Sharks, beat them in six. And then they took on the Boston um uh, the Boston Bruins, who the Boston Bruins beat uh, Austin Matthews-led Toronto team, a very good Columbus team, and a very good Carolina team, and beat them four games to three. So, again, it's very cliche, but it's 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 very true. It's, it's not how you start the season. It's how you are able to kind of get through the season and how you end the season and when you get hot. You know, again, we talked last year about how the Wild and the St. Louis Blues were arguably the two, if not the actual two hottest and best teams going into um, the playoffs. And they unfortunately just had to play each other. That's just sometimes how things work. Now, I think with something like that happening, the NHL has to look at how they're going to um, do their playoffs going forward. I think they have to go back to one through eight, you know, and if you're one or two, I think, you know, if you're a division leader, you have to get the one or two spots, something like that. It hasn't been set in stone yet, but that's just, I think that's something, honestly, they legitimately have to look at. Um, and yeah. So for you three, again, answering your question, I don't put a whole lot of stake into it. It sucks that our goal tending is what it is right now, but I hope we can kind of get it going. Um, you know, again, these last three games we were able, excuse me, I mean, between these last three games where we went 2 0 1, we outscored our opponents, what's that, uh, 9 uh, nine to 7. You know, so I mean, you know, that's just the thing. You got to win the close games. Um, you know, anybody, you know, on any given night, you can beat a really bad team or you can beat a really good team 7 to nothing or 7 2 or whatever like that. The good teams, and this rings true to just about any sport, the good teams find a way to win, and that's a um, theme we're going to talk about in our next segment with the Vikings. But good teams, it doesn't matter if they're you know close games or not, they find a way to win. And clearly that's just what this Wild team has done the last three games. Uh, and I hope they can carry it over. Um, tomorrow night, Thursday, they're in Ottawa at 6 p.m., Saturday at 6 p.m. they're in Detroit and then Sunday um, at 6 p.m. they're in Chicago and then Tuesday they will be back home 
um, playing their second game against the Montreal Canadiens. And then Thursday, the night of the next podcast, uh, they will be hosting the Seattle Kraken. So between now and then, they will have five games. And hopefully, you know, a couple more games or, or a couple other win, wins under their belt. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, fortunately for them, if they do, a lot of people will stop with the, oh my gosh, you know, no cause for concern. So that is what we have. Um for the while it's also actually before i move on to the uh the vikings and the football it's also worth noting again it's a very early season but right now the minnesota wild have one of the best power plays in the league um only the chicago blackhawks and the colorado avalanche have better power plays the minnesota wild currently have the third best power play with 32.0% and they're currently um tied for third with eight power play goals through this young season so again something again not a moral victory but something you can kind of hang your hat on and say hey you know at least we're moving in the right direction you know things are kind of going our way and um you know yeah all that uh, all that kind of fun stuff so now on to um the heart of the season uh, the minnesota vikings and the nfl football season i personally can't believe we're already freaking eight seven full weeks into the season uh, about to come up on the eighth week um the the vikings about to take on the arizona cardinals at home they are currently right now three and a half point favorites which is essentially home field advantage um <laughs> but truthfully with uh modern world fair or modern warfare coming out this uh weekend we should be more than three and a half point favorites um, I saw it on Twitter earlier this year, but, uh, there was some kind of stat where it's like when modern war, when modern warfare sends out new games or have double XP weekends, Kyler Murray's like, oh, and six on Sunday games or games for that weekend, because that's just what he's doing. <laughs> um, but, um. But yeah, and again, you know, one of the themes I wanted to talk about kind of before we get into our lock, our picks, uh, and that kind of stuff is this team, you know, is a good team this year. This is the same, generally speaking, this is the same type of team we had last year. They're just finding ways to win um, where they didn't last season. Um, so if you guys don't mind me just kind of, uh, humor me for a second. So last year, uh, twenty four to twenty seven in overtime, they lost. Um, in twenty twenty one, um, they lost to Cincinnati in overtime. That game I would relate, um, very much to the uh, like the New Orleans game or something like that. Um, you know, six games into the season last year, this team. Okay, we weren't as bad. We were, you know, three and three. But again, six games in, we had three games that were decided, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Cleveland, that were decided by a total of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven points. Um, and aside from the Philly and the Green Bay game, Detroit, New Orleans, and Chicago, those three games were decided by four, five, six, seven, seven, fourteen points. Okay? So ultimately right now you have one game that was decided in our favor by more than 
10-digit points, which last year was also the Seattle game. And there's one game that did not go in our favor by more than 10 points, which was Philadelphia. And last year, um, that was Dallas, technically in Week 8. So, again, you know, this, I think, making these moves this last season that we did to get Kweisi, to get KOC, you know, the, these are teams that are indicative of this team that this is a good team with the right people at the helm. This team, it doesn't matter if they're by and far the better team or not. They find ways to win games because at the end of the day, like, again, humor me, at the end of the day, going into week eight, the Vikings are five and one. Chicago or Green Bay is three and four. Chicago is three and four. And Detroit is one and five. Right now, we have, excuse me, right now, we have the, um, we have the tiebreaker over all three of those teams, and we have what's that? A three-game lead on both Green Bay and Chicago, and we have a four-game lead on Detroit. So right now, we control our own destiny, and opening the season this way is is just amazing because now we look at teams like Cardinals and Commanders, where if we win these two games, and if we're able to go seven and one, if we're if we're able to if if we find a way to lose to both the Bills and the Cowboys and go to seven and three ten season ten weeks in, we're still sitting pretty. We're still sitting good with at least one game over Green Bay, probably even two because Green Bay is going up against this tough Bills team a week before we are, and or two weeks before we are, and um, I just I don't see this Green Bay team making it happen. I think right now this NFC North is ours to lose. We just have to keep pounding away. And I look at the remaining, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. And at the absolute worst, we should win six more of them. So at the very worst, we go 11 and, what's that, 11 and 8. No, eleven and seven, which is still a great year, um, that I am very excited about. So that's that's what I got. So without further ado, um, we will jump into this week's game. I think it's going to be a good game in favor of the Vikings. I think for me, I'm going to highlight both of the QBs um, on the defensive side of things. I think Kyler, so far this season with his small stature, has. Um, with the pressure he's been given, he's been lobbing up a lot of balls in the middle of the field. I think we'll, our defense is going to pick him off three times. And then on the flip side of things, I got Kirk Cousins passing for over 300 passing yards. Um, you know, I think the Cardinals just haven't pressured a whole lot. And I think if they do, it'll be quick and easy for KOC to say, hey, you know, we got to run quick slants, quick, you know, screens, that kind of stuff. Um, we have to keep things in front of them and try to get those runs after catches. We got the guys to do that in Dalvin, in Irv, in Thielen, in um, KJ. Um, so that's what I got. I got the Vikes winning this game 31-21 to 21, uh, to move to 6-1 and one on the season. So to wrap up the – so to wrap up this um, week's podcast, I will come at you guys with both of my – excuse me, um, with both of my locks and upsets. So 
In week eight, my upset is actually going to be, excuse me, it's actually going to be the Giants over the Seahawks. So the Seahawks, unbelieving, unbelievably, are actually three-point favorites over the Giants this week. And truthfully, this Giants team are the Rodney Dangerfields of the 2022 NFL season. A week ago, they were three-point underdogs to a two-win Jacksonville team. And this week, they're, like I said, they're three-point underdogs against a Seahawks team that has allowed six yards per play and could have trouble scoring points without wide receiver DK Metcalf. I think, honestly, at some point, we should all just admit the Giants are a decent team this year and are pretty solid, and they deserve to be 6-1. and one. They're top 10 in point differential um, and turnover margin. Um don't really take this as you know any sort of Seahawks slander, though. I think they deserve praise where praise is due, but twice already that defense has cost them winnable games, and my sense is that this happens again this week. I have the um, the Giants winning a close one, 27-21. Um, and then for my... Uh, and then for my lock this week, I actually have the Miami Dolphins beating the Detroit Lions. I think the Dolphins totally outplayed the Steelers in Week 7 this last week and are fortunate to have beaten them. Um, I think it's simply a reflection of the weirdness of this NFL season. Tua will be back from his con concussion protocol, and this team is significantly better when they have him. Um, and he had his worst game of the season, throwing four uh, would-be interceptions against the Steelers. Um, I think, you know, the li the Lions will be a cure for what is an ill-sputtered uh, Dolphins offense. Um, but Detroit is last in point differential, minus 56. Yards are allowed for 12.2, and yards per played 6.4. Um and truthfully, it would not surprise me if Tyreek Hill goes for 200 yards in this game. So I actually have the Dolphins winning this one 13 to, or sorry, 30 to 16. I think it's going to be a blowout. So that is what I have for you guys this week. Obviously, we will not be t coming to you guys until after Halloween. So I hope everybody has a very, very um, happy Halloween. Stay safe, Minnie. Have fun. And we will see you guys in November.